Thank you for tuning in to Detail Memories. This episode is brought to you by Rotafest and Zenware. Rotafest is the most powerful mobile invoicing software designed for auto detailers and recon professionals on the market today. More than just a mobile invoicing app, it gives you a complete suite of tools to manage your business. Yes, it has a mobile app designed for the iPhone and Android to decode the VIN and create an invoice in the field. But it also includes integration with QuickBooks, customer management tools, text and email reminders, reports, and now inventory management is included in this powerful suite of tools. Learn more about Rotafest at rotafest.com. Yo, good day and welcome to another episode of RotaFest Detail Memoirs. It is always a juggle and a circus behind the scenes, but we're super excited to be here. I'm Jody. I'm Rod, and today we have an awesome guest, Mike Phillips from 3D Products. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing super, guys. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about uh, leading up to the conversation this week, and if we did a documentary series on everything that you've experienced, what you've seen, what you've oh done gosh. in the detailing industry as a whole, I mean, it would take up volumes <laughs> and, and we get 30 minutes with you. <laughs> It'd take a lot. It seems like, uh, well, it seems like I've just been doing this all my life because I have been doing this all my life. <laughs> and, we're, and we're not even going to talk about how old you are I mean, because you look amazing. Yeah, I'll be 62 in February. So wow, that is crazy, man. You look amazing. So, <laughs> so you've gone through many, many different transitions and different parts of what this is doing. And I, I mean, I think part of the really cool part about having somebody that's been around as long as you have in the industry is you get to have seen all these ebbs and flows over time. Yeah. And not just in the industry. I'm not talking about business, but talking about the innovations and the product advancements and the time savings and some of them that flopped, you know, yeah. so <laughs> he laughed. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I, I haven't posted this picture yet, but I was in my shop uh, this weekend and I reached into the bottom drawer, you know, the bottom drawer of your toolbox where the parts go to die. And I opened it up and there's this old, really old black and Decker rotary. Right. And you know, the one that's like maximum 7,200 RPMs do not polish on high speed, big warning on it. Right. And I thought, I thought literally, I was like, wow, that's how long I've had a polisher since that was like the thing, you know? So how old is that one? Oh my gosh. That has to be, I'm going to say eighties, early eighties. So you're 30 you know? years. I mean, it's 30, 30 years. years old, maybe. <laughs> Is that the is that the two speed has a switch on the top goes back and forth? Yeah, no, 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 no. This no. is this is on the side and it's a single on off. It's just oh. on and you're going right. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's it's one of those things that we talk about with the innovations is just the fact that that's how it used to be done, you know. And um, this is back when you took a, a wool pad and you tied it on because it had a string, yeah. right? It did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so would what would you say? over the last several years is the biggest innovation. Is it tools or is it products? Is it training? What, what do you think? Uh, the internet, <laughs> you know, uh, mm. when, when I started, we didn't have the internet. And um, so everything that you learned was from those around you or mm -hmm. a printed book. Um, I, I remember getting information from the guys behind the auto parts counter. Okay. Uh, my dad, um, if you were lucky, someone that was a painter, because in the early days, there wasn't really detailing isn't what it is today. Mm -hmm. But my 
coffee shops were always doing buffing. So that's an extension of detailing. It's an aspect, you know, and you have to have to buff out the car. Uh, but yeah, so printed books, uh, your dad, the auto parts stores, the guys behind the counter, because, you know, they're kind of closer to the compounds and waxes since they're there every day. And, and a lot of times, you know, my background at McGuire's, I was, uh, I was a, a sales rep and a trainer. I would call on uh, body shops, dealerships, and, and uh, automotive parts stores. And so part of my job was to train them how to sell the product. So assuming, you know, some companies, maybe not all, but maybe, maybe some companies had somebody like that that called on auto parts stores, uh, PBE and hard parts and shared information about new products. If you were just a consumer to walk in, you could go in and say, hey, I, my car is oxidized, what do I need? Hopefully you'd get a guy that'd actually care to go walk you over and say, you need this, followed by this, and then put this on. So, but that's where you'd get your information. And I still have all of the how-to books I purchased as a kid growing up, trying to learn uh, the craft of detailing and, um, one of the things that drove me to write my own book was I can't really say I ever learned anything from the books that were out there. They're just the, the information at the time I even bought it was dated and really just not very helpful. Mm -hmm. Frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what's interesting because um, I came into it from the auto parts and from restoring cars and I didn't know anything about it. And we'd get back these, these freshly painted cars and literally was just thrust into it. I had a boss that was like, Hey, this car's got a bunch of junk in it. You need to cut and buff it. And I'm like, what does that even mean? <laughs> and so he gave this black and Decker rotary and a wool pad. And he was like, you know, I mean, I think I had maybe 15 minutes of training and it was a fresh painted car. He's like, sand it down till it's white and looks milky. And then turn this on its side and push hard and go. And it was just, okay. You know, so <laughs> trial and error, literally um, yeah. burn. Oh, well, I burned through that drip rail. Don't get up there, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So um, I think that that's I, I appreciate the answer of the Internet, because there's I don't think people realize stop and look at how much information we have coming yeah. at us today. Yeah. You know, I mean, you do um, you do thousands of trainings. I mean, I, I would I was thinking about it with Jody this morning. I was like, how many trainings do you think Mike Phillips has put people through and i would say thousands of people that you yeah. have literally put through your trainings and i saw some of the pictures of the training center and all the equipment and all the polishers that you've got out there and everything i'm like it's just amazing how it's come from you know my experience of 15 minutes with a guy that literally didn't know what he was doing and told me how to do it too where you can go spend some time with you and really learn the craft well to know what to look for, you know, and know the difference between the materials and the surfaces and, um, and have products that actually work now. Right. Wow. I mean, you've Gosh, got, yeah. so, so I asked you this question years ago, you and I first met Rennie Doyle introduced this and I'm going to say it was 2008. You were in a booth and I think you guys had like a, I want to say like a 65 Mustang trunk is what you used to get as a, as a detailing demo in your booth right as a black trunk and you were at that time uh i think three inch sanding three inch sanding pads and you were showing the advantage of machine polishing right and so you and i were just talking while we were sanding on this hood and we talked about the surfaces early 2000s to today have you seen a degradation in the quality of the paints coming out are they about the same uh, you know, everything's always in a state of change. Uh, you know, look at the phone you bought last year. There's something new out tomorrow. You know, 
computers, everything's in a state of change. And paint technology is like that too. Paint technology has forces uh, pushing against it, like uh, environmental forces, uh, making paints that are cleaner, uh, pose less, create less pollution to make them, create less pollution to apply them. Um, I would always hope that manufacturers would be talking to their suppliers and looking for things like, Hey, can the average guy work on this? You know, that to me, that'd be the first criteria versus, you know, how hard can we make this, you know, or how cheap can we get this? But I'm sad to say, I, I don't think they ever take in the consumer aspect when manufacturing a paint, but change is what it is. We have to change to it. I, you know, that's just how it's going to always be. I remember some years ago, I think it was, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but one of the manufacturers, it might have been Infinity, but they introduced the self-healing paint. might have been Nissan. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that, that went nowhere back then. That would be back sometime in the mid-2000s. And yeah. everybody, all the detours were so worried. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to be out of a job. And I just thought, no, there's millions of cars out there with the old paint system. We'll always have something to do. Uh, yeah. But as these paint technologies come out, you know, it's one of the things that you just have to change to work with it and the manufacturers have to change to work with it also and that would include pads and uh, tools also yep one one of the things that i think's interesting about your comment about the internet right is we tend to think about impact on business in the tools at our hand you know the polisher the products so when you look at the internet as a tool I think a lot of people go to YouTube University and get their first cuts on detailing or business or whatever. So where do you think the internet has the greatest value for a business owner? Is it the training? Is it the opportunity to market? Where do you see it really helping a business owner? Uh, I, I think it's, a, I think it primarily be marketing. You know, if a business is trying to grow, I mean, I met detailers that have capped out. They, they, they don't need any more customers. They have, they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so marketing for them is, is something that they already did that. But if you're um, an individual or a business trying to grow, definitely you've got to be on all the different social media platforms, you know, and, and yeah. for the most part, it comes down to either uh, text education or before and after pictures, you know, uh, showing what you can do, what your company provides for the consumer, potential customer. Yeah. And, and I think it's, I think it's making us connected. I mean, if I, if I had to say it, I was like, like, for instance, you were overseas, you were doing trainings and people are actually able to see that. And we're able now to see what's happening thousands of miles away. I mean, I can live vicariously through, you know, uh, Dane Hannon being overseas right now and looking at all the pictures and seeing all the stuff that he does. And I think that's a very valuable piece that I don't, I try to recognize that, but I think it gets pushed behind is, it's made the world smaller, but in a good way. I don't have to be afraid of going to Waxstock or, or Auto Mechanica or somewhere else where I can, I can actually see, oh, you know, what's that all about? Well, I don't have to wait for 30 days to see somebody's pictures. I can just see it live and go, yeah, that looks like a good event. We should go next year. <laughs> and I think that that is just like what we're doing right now, right? This is a great use of the internet where we can have you on and talk about innovations and talk about what's coming up, you know, and, and people get to feel like they're part of that real time as opposed to seeing it in the in the past or the not so distance past so um 
I think I think that's the great part about it is I can watch something live. You can do a live training. I mean, the the good parts of 2020 in the last couple of years is that we've seen that we can do stuff uh, virtually, you know, where you can get training from somebody, you can mentor with somebody, have a call with them, and they can actually see what you're doing. Um, so yeah, that's that's. Have you? Do you see now in your role at 3D where you guys are doing more online stuff or are you still doing a lot? I mean, I know you're still doing hands-on, but are you doing any online stuff or is it just all hands-on? Well, that's something that's in the works behind the stage. Um, the, the, here's how I think about it. The, the, the best training is always in-person, hands-on. Absolutely. I had a guy text me, ask me if I was coming to New Jersey sometime in the future. I said, it's not on my schedule. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but... The, the thing is, is when you you mentioned you you saw the new 3D studio in Stewart and how many tools I have there. See, that's that's the thing is I have yeah. all the tools in this place. It's easier for him to travel to me than it is for me to pack it all up and take it to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. And I have the ability to bring in a, a super wide variety of cars and boats for my training classes. I was just looking on my phone before we got online. And counting how many cars I'm going to have, not not this weekend, but next weekend, I have a three-day class. I have 11 cars, possibly I have 12 cars coming in in two boats. And although I'm really good about getting other cars for offsite locations, nothing beats my hometown because I have such a good relationship with all. Yeah. Yeah. So the best hands training is, is in person. And I I can't even count how many times when I've worked with somebody, even over just now at um, Auto Mechanica, where I put my hands on their hands and hold the tool at the right angle or the right speed. Yeah you know, the R speed versus if they were to watch me doing that on a video live or recorded, they could probably come close, but there's nothing like that hands-on approach to just flatten out the learning curve yep. you know, and, and fix any mistakes right then and there, or, you know, pat on the back. Hey, you got this. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's an important point because Scott's mm-hmm. comment down below made me think about my experience with Scott at air force one. He and I were inside of an engine cowl doing the bright work, right? And I was, I'm right-handed and I was polishing and he goes, he goes, dude, you look like you're fighting the polisher. Why don't you switch hands? And I'm like, what? This is the way I've always said. He goes, no, switch hands. And dude, I switched hands and all of a sudden my movement across the the metal was so much more efficient and i felt like i had control and i would not have had that experience if it wouldn't have been having scott right next to me going why are you struggling with that polisher you look like you're fighting it instead of letting the polisher do the work and a little change made a huge difference yeah and he actually asked you a question he said do you feel like today's social media has become the new age car mag and do you I uh, think there is a way to sift through false information, fact checking. Yeah, no, with the, you know, if you're good with Skynet, I, did I say Skynet? I meant Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're good with Skynet, I mean, you can find accurate information. You know, you have to be able to understand if it really is accurate versus what's out there. But, um, right. you know, that some of that is just, uh, uh, but yeah, no, the internet can help you. The, the problem I have with all the fact checking is, is whose facts are correct. <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah, that's the, that's yeah. part of the problem. I do, I do think that the internet has become your, your, 
your car magazine, it's easier to see stuff. It's easier to look at stuff, find articles and stuff. There's certainly somebody my age, there's certain something about that tactile, having that in your hand stuff. I do. And I'm glad you answered the question the way you did about the in-person in training. I think there is nothing that can top being in person. Um, my personal experience with the training is that um, I, I had a tendency to, when I first started using a uh, forced rotation to not push hard enough, which sounds weird, but I wasn't, I was literally just, you know, somebody had said, Hey, let the machine do the work. Right. And so I just, because I wasn't on edge because it wasn't on a rotary, I was like, well, I don't have to push. It could just, just can go. And I literally had a, a guy just reach his hand over the top of my shoulder and just put his finger on top of the collar and just push down and literally told me, so just watch the pad when it compresses a little bit, that's you, you just watch your pressure on that. That's all it took. And so I think that is the, we, we have a real advantage and I, and I totally understand that. I totally realize that Jody and I have an advantage. We get to go to all these trainings. We get to go see things from Rennie Doyle. We get to be with um, Jason you know, Jason Rose, Rose at the Rupes Training Center. You know, I get to have Sarah from Rupes, you know, Dylan and uh, you. We've seen you in person. And it's so, like we get the advantage of seeing all these people. And in, in, but for the person that doesn't get to do that, you really do need to go on site. You need to take advantage of these training centers that have been set up. I haven't been to your new one, but it, uh, the, it looks unbelievable. And so you need to take advantage of these because it is a, it is kind of for some people a once in a lifetime opportunity to get your hands in there and get dirty and have somebody help you, you know? So, well, so I go ahead. I was going to say at some point I'm going to retire. So the classes I teach are going to go away. Yeah. Um, and, and I transitioned off of uh, uh, power sitting in chairs and PowerPoints years ago. Um, it was, it was an, it was a, an evolution that just took place naturally. <clears throat> what it really was, was I kept getting asked to show more and more tools, more and more products, more and more yep. techniques. And I, I have a PowerPoint that is 256 slides long wow. <laughs> for a three-day course. So you say, so that's like 80 or 90 slides a day. And I would teach that. And by the time we got through the 80 or 90 slides for the first day, say Friday, it's lunchtime. Now people are going to get sleepy. And I just like, you know, instead of showing them a picture of a tool or a product or listing the benefits and how things work in a, on the wall, let's just go to the car and I'll put the tool in their hands, put the products on their hands and show them how to use it. Yeah. And once I started doing that, I just, if I use a PowerPoint, it's basically to have like an introductory screen, uh, share a little bit of information about the company's background and history uh, mission statement. I mean, after that, it's, it's, it's all hands-on. And the other thing is, is I quit using hoods years ago. Uh, it's so easy to learn how to do something on a flat space at waist level high in the middle of a hood. Now yeah. you take, and you have to work on a real car, especially when it comes to sanding or in doing any kind of aggressive work, like rotary work with the wool pad. Um, all of a sudden you start introducing, uh, raised body lines, edges, emblems, uh, air filter or fresh air intakes, like on classic muscle cars by the wipers, uh, door handles, side mirrors, antennas, uh, fin channels, curb channels. Uh, it, it starts to have what I call impact. It has real impact. And that's why, you know, I always encourage people to take any class they can, but you know, if it, if it works for them, come to one of my classes, cause I bring in such a wide variety of cars. A single stage paint, uh, brand new cars, old cars, vinyl tops, cloth tops, uh, glass polishing is the newest thing I've been teaching, sanding glass, buffing out glass. And to be honest, I just don't think you find all these topics in one location in one weekend, at least at this point. 
And so to me, I really like the classes I teach. They're very, they're all hands-on. I, I, I do say that there, there are no chairs. There's just no chairs. And then if I bring in chairs and you sit down, now we're not going to be working on cars. So I got rid of the chairs. I got rid of the PowerPoint and I bring in real cars. And I think yeah. everybody really likes that kind of experience. I, I think yeah. that hands-on experience really it's there's something about having your hands on something that ingrains it in your mind, in your muscles, your yeah. hand, all that. It's so critical. And one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot lately is especially from a new guy coming in, a lot of times they're looking at, you know, do I get a rotary? Do I get a DA? Do I, you know, all these different options you know, where does somebody new make the decision? You know, what, what, in your opinion, what, what would they do first to get started? You know, I, I was asked this question over to Auto Mechanica and um, I did a, I, the whole time I was there, I was sanding, cutting and buffing. So sanding uh, by machine, uh, using a rotary with the wool pad and polishing with the DA with foam pads. The, the entire time from the morning till night, um, I visited other booths and did the same thing there. And I kept hearing the same comment about uh, how hard I was pushing on the buffer for foam pad and orbitals and uh, how I was going up on edge with the rotary. And um, and it just seemed to catch everybody su by surprise. And um, But one of the things that stood out was someone asked me, if a new guy is starting out, what should he do? And I says, well, you know, the first thing is go to as many different instructors and training as you can and then take what works for you from each person because i don't think myself or anybody can be the be all in the industry you know it, it, everybody finds their own way we have our own personality we're gonna have our own style my style is i want to go as fast as i can keep my quality high and you know i've never understood why some guys spend three days in a car but that's their style i knock everything out in a day or or i usually doesn't i don't take the job but um, for, for me, I, I would say that one of the best tools a person could start out with would be a simple porter cable, okay? It doesn't cost a lot. Uh, it, it's, a, you know, millions of cars have been buffed out with the porter cable. Um, it makes a great DA sander. It's eight millimeter, so it works good with the, uh, any kind of sanding disc, whether you're dry sanding or machine sanding. Um, you can put a brush on there and clean um, non-skid. You can clean carpet, you can clean vinyl, roofs, vinyl seats. Uh, of course, you can put um, all the different types of uh, microfiber pads on for extra cutting and foam pads uh, for whatever project you want to work on. And um, I've never really been a big fan of the long strokes just because of their inherent pad stalling problem. And the bigger the pad, the bigger the stroke, the bigger the problem. And with a um, with a short stroke porter cable, like an eight millimeter, um, you have less pads on because what happens is the bigger the stroke and the bigger the pad is the outer edge of the pad has has leverage over the reciprocating component that drive, drives the pad. And that's where you see the pad stalling. So the opposite is true. The smaller the stroke and the smaller the pad, the less the outside of the pad has leverage over the reciprocating component. That's why it's easier to maintain pad rotation with something like a porter cable than it is a 15 or a 12 or 21. And now they got 25 millimeters. I mean, those are all great for big flat panels like motorhomes, but that is at the real world. The real world is cars with curves and um, mm -hmm. cave and <clears throat> So, you know, just to break their to, to break into the business, you can never go wrong with a, a, a good eight millimeter. With, if you're in Europe, maybe get the DOS six. You know, there's there's a lot of options in the market. The Harbor yeah. Freight, you know, 40 bucks, you're, you're a detailer. And then from there, 
you know, gosh, if you can go to a good class or if you have, if you can find a way to try other tools, you know, and see what you like before you buy them. Because as you guys know, some of these tools start in the 300s and 400s yeah. and 500s and you're $600 in, maybe even higher. Plus you got to buy pads, backing plates and chemicals. So you better make sure you really like that tool before you purchase it. Because a lot of times after you purchase it, you're stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's I think it's one of those things where there's a, there's a learning curve to it. Um. I have a I have your typical um, PX80E the 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 flex like small three inch you know, and when I first got that DA I was using um, it was on the dash of my '57 pickup very curved surface '57 uh, Chevy pickup single stage paint so you know the whole shop's red, um, <laughs> and I didn't like it I hated it I was like this is horrible I hate this thing because I kept stalling it out I'd hit an edge and it'd stall and I'm like well, this is ridiculous but it was that learning curve by the time I was finished with that part I really loved it because of the size of it and I could really get in curves there's a there's a part where the gauge cluster is and it's maybe about an inch and a half and I could get upside down I was like this is great I mean so I went 180 degrees with that tool just by learning it and I think that that's that's perfect advice is get your hands on it go to the shows go to the ones you know one of the greatest parts about the southern detailers conference is all the hands-on stuff in the small yeah. groups you know i know that when you were doing your demos in oh 2008 2009 there'd be a line of 30 people long to come talk to you and, and, and get a tool in their hands and i'm like you go to these other shows and some of these now that have a smaller thing like 10 people and that's really when you can get the optimal time with someone you know i mean yeah it'd be great if it was a one-on-one -on -one and you know, i could spend a weekend with you and i and i could really learn how to do it that's not realistic but if you can get in with eight ten people and there's a smaller group of people you can get your hands on a tool you can get the instruction you need and you can ask the questions i think far too many times people go to a training and they're like okay you tell me what what i need to know and i i get something out of every single class i've ever gone to this entire time i don't care if it's something that the rag company's putting on um, like I said, I started out restoring cars back in the 80s, and I went to Jason Kilmer's um, sanding course, and I've talked to you about some sanding stuff too, and I had never machine sanded. I'd always been hand sand my whole life, and and I, you know, 15 minutes talking to you with three and a half, I was like, I was sold. I'm like, why am I, why am I killing myself? This is ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just a matter of getting your hands on it and then asking the questions don't be afraid to ask hey mike i don't know how to do this i'm really concerned with high spots what do i do and you'd be like well stay away from them you know so <laughs> yeah don't sand on them you know i have a couple of sayings one of them goes like this is uh if you spend enough time with any tool you can make a dance on paint so i mean it's just a matter of spending the time I've, I've over the years i've seen too many people buy a tool they go in the garage and try it they can't get it to work the way they expected it to work to, you know, from what they saw on YouTube or whatever. So they want to return it. But, you know, what they didn't do is buff out 20 cars first and really, and, you know, maybe try different paths, different speed settings of different products. You know, some products don't buff machine buff as good as others. They're not slippery. So it causes the pad to drag. So, uh, you know, a lot of times the, the things that they're seeing could be something that is not the tool's fault. It's another factor. And the other thing I always tell people when it comes to sanding, and, and I, I had to explain this a whole bunch of times at Auto Mechanica. And also I taught a class in Germany on Monday and we covered sanding, but sanding takes off paint, compounding takes off paint, polishing takes off a little paint. So, you know, most sanding should be done on custom 
paint jobs, not factory finishes. And mm. I, I get it. Someone buys a new car and it's got orange pill and they don't like it and they want it to go away. But I tell even like I met these guys over in Germany that are really good. They've got stellar reputations. They're sanding down cars. And I said, you're getting away with it. But I go, here's another one of my sayings. Uh, words cannot describe the heart sinking feeling that overcomes you when you discover you buff through somebody else's clear coat. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, any, all the profit is now out the window and now you're trying to figure out how we're going to get this thing repainted at affordable costs. You know? Yeah. So, I didn't, I didn't actually ever know that my heart was not in my chest. It was right here <laughs> until I did that. Cause that's where it, you, you know what I'm talking about. That's that yeah. empty feeling you get when you're like, Oh, I just did that. And that's, yeah. so I, I really, I really appreciate people that can impress that upon us. And, we, uh, Jody and I were actually in Las Vegas once and we met a really young kid. He was like 22 years old. And he said, I, I started doing detailing and he goes, but quite honestly, I bought a polisher I've never used and I'm scared to touch it. And I'm like, we told him, I said, I said, I, look, I'm not a professional detailer, but I pretend to be one on the internet. So <laughs> I said, here's my advice is go get a junkyard body panel and burn through it. See how long it takes. See how much pressure it takes. See how the kind of heat you have to get make the mistake on something that doesn't matter so go. that you can learn to stay away from it. And I think that is, um, yeah. that's the most important thing. And, and also start with the, start with the least invasive solution to begin with, start with a foam pad and some compound and see how well the paint looks after that. Don't start by going, Oh, I need to sand this down. Yeah. So on those, those are both good topics, but uh, always learn and train on something that's not important to you before you learn and train on something that is important to you. And I always make the joke, you know, buff out your girlfriend's car before your customer's black. <laughs> <laughs> your mom and dad's. Going to the salvage yard, you know, I almost yeah. wrote an article on how to pull a panel on salvage yard. I've done it so often, including, you know, be careful with snakes, snakes and spiders. Um, sometimes you need a chisel because pulling the hood off some cars, they're tack welded. And if you just take wrenches, it ain't coming off. You know, uh, so, you know, there's just so many things about pulling hoods or trunk lids off cars in a salvage yard that most people don't even think about. And I've done it enough. I think I could write a pretty good how-to article on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, but you know, just, um, uh, training, you know, um, I always tell people that if you make a mistake on somebody's car, say you burn through an edge or. Uh, twist the paint something horrible it's not a mistake you're leaving your signature on their car <laughs> <laughs> it's actually an article you could google so there you go i think i have over a thousand articles on the auto geek forum if they haven't disappeared them yet so it's just a matter of knowing the right uh, search terms and add mike phillips and then you know obviously take advantage of skynet's uh, you know ability you know to find that's right that really is a legacy though when you think about the amount of articles that you've written um and, and i like the perspective of you know what i read books i have all my books but they weren't sufficient for me right so you went out and wrote your own book and i think that's an important lesson for business owners because and it relates to this training Go to as many trainings as you can and then glean the things that fit your personality, fit your style, fit your objectives, right? Don't don't try to be Mike Phillips Jr. Try to be Jody Cedric in his own way, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of guys get trapped in this, oh, I got to do it their way. 
And I have a guy that he's a customer of Rotofest. He's been with us for years and years, Jamie Gonzalez. He's out of Salt Lake. And I love him because he told me when we were at Southern Detailers Conference, he said, I never, ever miss an opportunity to be trained. Yeah. Because there's always something that I pick up that yeah. I can then incorporate into my own business and my own style. And he's got really cool style, right? right. And he, it, it's just fun to see that. And it's refreshing to see that perspective of I'm continually learning. I'm continually investing in myself so that I can better serve my customers and leave a positive signature on their car instead of what <laughs> they're going to pay them for. Well, um, so I use the term perpetual student. So I'm a perpetual student and you have to be because at the rate technology is being introduced. Um, yeah. Uh, ceramic coatings is a good example. Nanoskin towels is a good example. Uh, when McGuire's introduced um, a SMAS, super micro abrasive technology, you know, things are just out of the box. Uh, so uh, you have to be open to new technology or, or you're going to miss it. And of course, then the only way to really be open to it is to be hooked up online because that's usually where things, you know, make the splash the first time. Um, so yeah. Yeah, perpetual student is what I would consider myself. And I think that's that's kind of the key is like Jody said, is go to everybody's training and then you find somebody. And, and I think uh, uh, actually Richard Hutchings in the UK was talking about this this morning. Find people you can mentor with, you can reach out to, that you're comfortable and it's comfortable talking to you. Because then if you have a problem, you know, if I'm like, hey, Mike, I've got this car and it's got this waterborne paint and I'm really worried about it. What do I need to do? And, you know, you and I could talk about that and you'd be like, well, the, the clear coast, the same technology, just don't burn through, you know, because I think a lot of times we get... Um, we get a little bit of ego in the way and not like a cocky bad way, but it's like, well, I, I do this for a living. I don't want to ask somebody questions. Well, that's really silly. That's the only way to learn something is to ask questions. Like you said, there's going to be new technologies that come out. There's now there's self healing or, or clear coat <clears throat> replacements where, you know, you can cover scratches and all that stuff. Yeah. Ask the questions, get your hands on that stuff, try it out, see what you can do um, to, to help your business. We got another question here. What one thing that has changed in the industry that you feel may have not been for the best? <laughs> it's something that has uh, the thing about social media is, um, you know, sometimes a lot of times when I detail the car, I, I'll take a picture of my watch and post what time I started and I'll take a picture when I ended. And then I'll, I'll put all the products and tools that I used on a yeah. table and make a short video or just show it. And, and then, you know, show the car, obviously, before and after. And one of the comments I get is, how do you do this so fast? And I say, well, the first thing I do is I put my phone down, okay? Yeah. And, and you know, the, the smartphones actually just make us all dumber. It's, it's really ironic how that works. Um, but the technology that's come out, that I think has been... has not been a good thing. I can't really offhand. That's, I hate when I get stumped with a hard question. Uh, yeah, I, I to that, me that's I'm, okay. I'm, I, I'll answer it for me. The first thing that popped into my head is just all of the I'm going to call it copycat products that have come out, where yeah. it's the same bottle of stuff with somebody else's label on it, and it gets confusing because you know there could there could be three cutting compounds that are exactly the same chemical makeup, and they're made by the same company. Yeah. And I think that uh, <laughs> learning 
what works for you. Uh, my, my best example is I had a, a boat that I sold this spring, single stage paint on the trailer, really bad when I got it. Um, and I was polishing it using my little PX80E three inch pads. And I realized that with the microfiber, it would gum up really fast on high speed. And so I had to tone it back, which is not what most people learn. They learn you got to go high speed to get that pot. And I'm like, no, when I do a high speed on that thing, it, it flares out the pad. I talked to Clint, you know, I was talking to him about the pads going, what's going on here. It, it, we had to, I had to dial back the RPMs to get the best finish on this trailer. And I think that changing and getting out of that mindset of what you've learned on the internet or what you've learned and doing what works for you. Like you said earlier, what works for that particular situation? You know, my Chevy Silverado paint with this pad may not be what was recommended by, you know, somebody in the industry, but that's what works. You know, that paint's really brittle. You know, um, when I was over, over in Germany, this class, I had a gentleman, uh, he says he's working on a car as a Volvo and he says, the paint is so soft. You can't do anything with it. You know, what's the solution? And I go, well, I always think the root is to tackle the root cause contact Volvo, go there with the owner and say, Hey, you guys show us how to work on this <laughs> and, and, you know, make it their responsibility. They sold you the car and I'll bet you money. They don't even have a paint technician there that can work on it because dealerships tend to not have well-paid, well-trained staff with good products, but that would be good to the root cause. And um, instead of all of us trying to fix manufacturer's problems where they put a paint on the car that nobody can work on, you know, either too hard or too soft. We always want that paint that's right in the middle. And I've always been a big, strong advocate, you know, when someone sells a car, Ford, Dodge, Kia, whoever it is, you know, the average person, the only thing that's left you can do to a car nowadays is wash it and wax it you know generically speaking we don't change the oil we don't change spark plugs we don't swap out transmissions all that is dealership so at least the average person with average skills should be able to work on the paint on their cars and that would be something right in that sweet spot in the not too hard not too soft and and manufacturers you know how do we get that message to them and of course you know the, the the way the world's going they don't want us to own cars in the future <laughs> no no they don't and no, it's all going to be self-driving well, they want us to live in cities where they can control us and now there's no use to have a car but you know that's the future so a lot you know you know that goes into some deep politics but no one seems to ever pay attention to but, yeah, there are global elitists out there that don't want you and me or jay leno to own all his cars and they don't want it to be gas and they don't want us driving they want us to be huddled up in an apartment in the city and just stay there and get our government check each month you know oh so, yeah uh, well, I remember engine. when I was in high school, a Chevy, a, a Chevy dealer came to the school and he was driving um, this brand new uh, 80s Camaro. And he said, this is the cars of the future. You're going to drive this for two or three years and throw it away. And every time I see an 80s Camaro I'll go down the road, I go, yep, you were wrong. You were wrong. You're so wrong. You don't see those cars on the road anymore unless you find someone that's really passionate about the 82 IROC. Oh, I'm, cool. uh, yeah, absolutely. I hate those guys, but all the rest of them are gone. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I think that that's, that's what's unique about it is that in the automotive world, people are very – they, they hold on to things they want it. And especially like you're, you know, you're talking in the economy we're in right now where things are a lot uncertain in the last two years, used cars have become incredibly valuable. And so to take care of them and get a professionally trained certified detailer to make your car stay where it's at, keep that, that, that's that point in time where it's at today and preserve that finish 
is very valuable. I mean, it, you can say it's ego. You can say it's people like to make their cars look pretty, but you're preserving the value of that vehicle. Yes, and sure. and boat, it doesn't matter if it's a boat, RV, car, whatever. Yeah. But that's really, I think, what's turned our industry around in the last two years is people realizing that the value of that vehicle, if you do that, I mean, um, you can now post your car's got a ceramic coating and it rises the value of it about $1,000. Um, Jody and I are going through a, a series right now where we take my 2007 Chevy pickup and we're completely redoing it um, and showing the cost and then showing the value before and after by taking it to a dealer and having them assess the value. It's unbelievable. I've already got the values. We haven't posted it yet, but the value is pretty amazing it's, for just yeah, what we've like... done. I mean, just had some PDR done to it, polished the paint, um, a few things. And like, it was, I mean, a couple thousand cool, dollars worth things. of, of, of refinishing for the retail cost of those things and the value of that vehicle went through the roof. So um, I, for people out there that are not detailers, the, you, it, is, it is not just vanity. This is, this is raising the value. Your vehicle is the, probably one of the second most expensive investments you have. You need to keep the value of that thing up so that when you go to get a new one, you've got the value and you can trade it in. Yeah, whether you sell it on your own or trade it in, you know, yeah. you know, look, one of the things I teach in my classes is I teach uh, wet wash detailing and cosmetic engine detailing. And, um, you know, when you pop the hood on the average car is five years old, if no one's taking care of it, it, it looks pretty bad. Yeah. You know, if you just did a 15 minute cosmetic engine detail, you know, use a water squash and maybe a vinyl rubber dressing, just spruce it up. It looks like you've been taking care of the motor. Now, it doesn't mean you have been. Right. <laughs> The, perce the perception is, oh, this has been well taken care of. You know, yeah. we should all be honest and do the right thing, you know. But um, No, you're right. Yeah. So, so so what do you got coming up for trainings? Well, and plus 3D products. Does 3D have some cool stuff? So training and. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, again, not this weekend, but this coming weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I have uh, a very intense three-day class. My class will detail on average six cars a day for the first two days. And then we jump into boat detailing and I'm bringing in two boats. You know, I always bring in boats that are huge and in horrible condition and dark gel coat. Uh, <laughs> I can get a white gel coat boat in horrible condition, but see the students won't see the before and after difference. So again, the word is impact. There's no impact. Yeah, right. But these, uh, these classes all start at 730 and go to about 530. And I, I structured these differently uh, than where I worked at my last gig um, because things were going to change. And I try to get it. So the most popular topics in the detailing world are paint correction, sanding, and then boat detailing. Maybe not of that you know, order, but um, you know, people don't get excited about clean carpet. That's my point. Uh, so I, uh, I brought in the, the, the topics that are the most exciting, the most fun, the most interesting and I did that on purpose because the majority of people are flying to Florida to take this class. They're not driving down the road. So by including sanding and boat detailing with paint correction, ceramic coatings, you know, glass polishing, engine detailing, I mean, everything under one umbrella, one weekend, you're only spending money on one set of airline tickets, one set of hotel rooms, uh, one rental car, and one set of meals on the road to knock out all those topics in a single weekend. And I also offer IDA SV testing on the Monday following. So oh, for okay. me, they want to do that it's it, it's one more night a hotel but your airline ticket won't change you just make it for a day later so i try to think of the logistics for that like i got a guy flying to my classes next weekend from hawaii okay and um and i appreciate 
that, you know, he's got enough trust in me to fly all the way from Hawaii to Florida to take my class, especially after he said he's already taken a number of other classes. And his comment was he still didn't know how to detail a car. <laughs> so I said, you come out here one time you leave, you're going to know what's up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's awesome. I, you, your boat class has been on my list for a lot of years to come attend. <laughs> and oh, I got it one day. I just got to just... Yep. bite the bullet make the trip and you know maybe rod and i will just come out and see your cool 3d facility you, that well, be you know what i was going to add to that was um i have enough people that are saying well you know i just want to learn boat or i just want to learn the car and for me it's a lot of work to get all these cars and boats the same place oh, yeah. we can for people to work on it'd be easier to not do it so I have been toying with the idea of not doing these three-day classes for next year. Do a, a dedicated car detailing class one weekend, a dedicated boat detailing class another weekend. Now I'm forcing everybody to fly out there twice, another set of hotel rooms, another yeah. rail cars on the road. So yeah. I've been trying to do people a huge favor by doing all this extra work. Oh, for yeah. Them. yeah, no, exactly. But it's really hard on me. <laughs> but, oh, I'll uh, bet. I'll but, bet. You know, is take care of the boss's bottom line. That's what it really comes down to. And help people. You know, I have people that, say well i'm not really interested in the boat class and i said well a lot of the things i'm going to teach in the boat class will apply to a car yeah. and vice versa and then i tell them this sometimes when you buff out somebody's car the next thing they're going to say is hey can you do my boat and vice versa if you start out boat detailing people that own boats have expendable cash and they usually have nice vehicles nice tow vehicles nice luxury vehicles exotics so then the natural question is hey you did a great job on my boat can you do my cars so there's this uh, there's this aspect of teaching both the same weekend where the, the the third day Sunday when I teach the boat detailing they're building on this foundation I've already built for them on Friday and Saturday that's just going to add to their 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 skill level their knowledge level and of course their technique ability from based on hands on and boat detailing is a is a totally different animal than car detailing and, and oh yeah and the sad thing is is you know, when people sign up for my class, I send them an email. It's called important information. And one of the things it says is, please get a good night's sleep the night before. I don't worry about you sleeping good, you know, the rest of the time. That's right. You're, you're <laughs> tired. There's, there's no sitting. There's no chairs. It's just go, 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 go. And by the time we get to Sunday, these people, they're mentally tired. They're physically tired. Some of these people have never buffed out a car and they're using muscles and back muscles and leg muscles. They've oh, never yeah. used. They're holding a tool that to them is vibrating. And now I'm going to make them machine sand a boat, use a rotary buffer to buff out their sandy marks, use a DA polisher to polish to high gloss, and then put a ceramic coating on it. And that's a lot of work. Even if they're just doing their section of the boat, it's a big boat. And, um, yeah. and oh, yeah. They're tired, you know. So I put myself in their shoes and I get it. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very compressed three days and it's a lot of fun. I, I see people make life long friends at these classes all the time yeah this next class by the way i've got three police officers that are retiring for various reasons one of the reasons is because that's a really tough profession to be in nowadays oh yeah and, uh, they all want to start legitimate detail shops and what they want to do is they want to flatten out that learning curve so when they start they know exactly what to do whatever the car is or the boat is that comes into their shop so um that's but and going into 2023 uh, my hope is that now that COVID's kind of behind us, I just did, we, uh, we did a world tour this year. So went to three or four different countries, teaching classes, uh, audit, uh, 3d is in 57 countries. And my goal would be to go to uh, a different country as often as is possible. 
and teach hands-on classes. I don't really want to be a part of anything that's sitting in a chair looking at the wall. But if we can, the, the problem you get into with hands-on classes, once I get out of my own facility where, you know, Flex sent me 72 tools to get that thing jump started. That's $30,000. Wow. Wow. They wired that shop to run 25 rotaries at one time without blowing a breaker. Wow. Wash base, so we can do anything inside, outside of the Florida humidity and heat, um, air conditioned. You know, so it's, you know, once you leave the creature comforts of a shop that's set up like that, the first thing I do when I look at an offsite location is power. Where are all the plugins? Table space. Where am I going to put all the tools and products and pads and towels? Can't put them on the ground. And then the space itself. How many cars right. will the space hold? And um, it's hard to find those kinds of things. I remember doing roadshow classes where I go to Lowe's and rent two Honda 650 watt generators just to run the tools. And I packed 20 extension cores just to run all the tools that we're going to run off those yeah. generators. But yeah. my goal would be for next year is to do just, I love doing training. I love showing people how to, to work on cars and make them look beautiful. And whenever I teach my classes, I do what I call a brain dump. And every car that comes in is going to be different. So if I'm looking at a car and I go, gosh, I can show how to do this to this car. I stop the class and go, come here, watch this. And I show them how to do it right then and there. I don't, otherwise I might forget, you know. Yeah. And, Oh, yeah. That makes all the classes unique because the cars are always different. I've got a 1972 Oldsmobile 442 with original gold metallic single stage paint coming in with wiper marks in the windshield. So not only did the class, and it's a vinyl top. So they're getting this one car, they're going to learn how to machine scrub a tree to vinyl top, machine polish out all the scratches of the glass, and then how to work with single stage metallic paint, which is a lot harder than just normal single stage yeah. paint. Wow, I wish I was there. This That's, cool. That's cool. That's <laughs> cool. One of the cars we got coming for sanding is I got a 70 Dodge Demon, fresh paint, fresh custom paint, lots of orange peels, and a 1960 Cadillac limousine Fleetwood, which is as big as they get. Both have orange peels. So just the sanding class on Saturday alone, learning how to machine sand, use a rotary polisher, use an orbital polisher. I mean, it's an experience that the, most of these people will never have the opportunity to do again. A lot of the cars I have come in are what I call bucket list cars, you know? Yeah. Not, oh, yeah. Have they not worked on it? I haven't ever worked on it. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I got a Maserati MC20 coming in. I've never worked on one of those, and probably they haven't either. And it'll be fun to do the polishing and ceramic coating on a gullwing Maserati. You know, it's pretty fun. Yeah, well, so, so we have a bunch of questions. Let's, so you, oh, sure. I know we've, we've got a bunch so of questions. So go up to Richard's one. So, so Richard Hutchings asked a question here that was relevant when you were talking about guys starting businesses. So what would you say is the best way to market a new business in detailing? Uh, definitely Instagram and Facebook. Got to be on both platforms. Um, and I always tell people one of the key things is just always somehow catch the before. I mean, if you show a, a picture of a shiny Corvette and you say you fixed it, really? You know, really, where's the before? So I always capture the before in video and pictures, you know, and um, the other thing I think yeah. most retailers don't do is I run into this all the time. They, they don't have any packages. So they um, they try to do show car work, which to me is multiple step. You know, so they do everything to every car. And you can't do that. I had the plumber come out to my house and install some new fa faucets in a remodel. And I noticed he charged me for time, labor, and materials. <laughs> okay, detailers need to do the same thing. And yep. all these detailers I meet, they're they're doing what I would call a, a multiple-step show car package where they're fixing everything for the price of their one-step package. And it all starts with educating the customer. 
first of all, you let the customer go, look, I, look what's your budget? I can do whatever you want, but let's take a look at your budget, you know? And yeah. uh, so match your services to your customer, to their budget, and you know, the type of car. Uh, by the way, the first thing I teach in my class when I talk about starting a business is the first question to ask your customer, which is, how do you wash your car? That'll tell you everything they know about paint and taking care of their own car. And from that answer, then you can decide, you know, which package you're going to sell. Because if they say, I'm going to run through the car wash right down the row and it's the swirly brushes, you don't want to be doing your high-end package because then when the paint's all scratched up, the coating's worn off, they're not going to blame themselves. They're going to blame you. So you just right. Reputation. You do a one-step production detail with the cleaner wax to say, hey, if you can keep this up for six months, come back. We'll talk about doing something else, you know? So, yeah, yeah that's no, all that that's good advice. So uh, another question is from Scott Mason. He just says, what about RVs? They're big in his area. Um, and again, they're all different. You know, like you were talking earlier, RVs are usually big flat panels. They're, you know, they're fiberglass. So I have a friend that uh, took one of my big three-day classes about four or five years ago. And um, his whole intention was to starve out, to carve out an RV detailing business, which he did in Fort Lauderdale. And he specifically went after the high end, like the Prevost and the New Mars, base coat, mm. clear coat, high end finishes, million dollar RVs. And just a couple of years ago, he cleared a million dollars detailing RVs. Yep. In fact, he's so successful, he hated it because he was doing all this stuff outside in full sun and humidity of Florida. Now he's got his own shop. And so now he That's can pull awesome. that RV in, work in air conditioning, not worry about the rain. And um, RVs, um, it's, it's, a, it's a niche market, a niche market, as they say. Um, it's something I've done only a few times in my life. I think I did. I, you know, what happens is when you detail some guy's street rod, you know, or muscle car, and they go, oh, hey, can you do my RV? You know, you're like, well, I'll take care of my customer. This just happened. I have a guy that sends me classic Ferraris. He, he sent me a 1958 Ferrari 250 Testarossa. The last one recorded for sale went for $40 million, you know. So um, so when he asked me if I can do a Sprinter van, of course the answer is yes. Do I want to detail and ceramic coat a Sprinter van? No. No. I'm to this guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but, yeah. But oh, no. And I think that's I think that's part of it is know your market. I know that, um, you know, uh, Daryl Lyons was on here earlier, and I was at Big D's shop once, and a guy came in. And it's not his favorite customer. It's not a high-end customer, but he takes care of several of this guy's cars. And it was literally, he's closing down. And the guys, can't you do my car real quick? And Daryl had his guys wash this guy's van because he takes care of his clients. And he wants that, he wants that reputation of taking care of his clients. And that is, that is important. I think a lot of people would have just said, Hey, sorry, man, it's five o'clock. We're shutting down. But he's like, Hey guys, can you knock this guy's van out real quick and make him happy? And that's the whole thing. Customer expectations, make your clients happy. Leave, leave the, leave your signature on the car, as well as leaving the signature on their heart. That's you right. Know, um, uh, when I first got started in this industry, um, I was a trainer for McGuire's. And, um, but my boss at the time owned an auto parts store. And at five o'clock, he went and locked the door and flipped this sign over, says close. And then about five minutes later, a guy comes up and knocks on the door. He, he goes over, opens the door, says, what can I help you with? Most of the people in my life would say they had pointed the sign and say, close, come back tomorrow. He helped this guy get what he needed. He left. And he said to me, you know, his money's just as good after five as it is before yeah. five. I'm here to sell stuff. That'll make a dime when this stuff sits on the shelf. I, I learned so much from this guy. He also learned you call in a shop and they say, no, you don't walk to the next shop. You run to the next shop. You know, it's just yes. another game, you know? And mm -hmm. uh, 
Yeah, so detailing uh, motorhomes and RVs, if someone wants to carve out that market, more power to them, um, they're going to need. You know, it's one of the things I teach people and I write about a lot is to use products that use great abrasive technology. Um, and when you're working on a base coat, clear coat RV, 40 feet down one side, 40 feet down the other side, then you got the front cap and the back cap. You don't want to do this twice. So make sure you do your research and find some a company that makes really good products that is based on good abrasive technology. And I know it's the year 2022. We're getting close to 2023. And a lot of people don't understand this. How can there be junk on the market? There is junk on the market. You know, and, and I'll tell you, that's one of the reasons I was attracted to 3D is they make their own abrasive technology from the raw materials. Most of the companies got to go to companies like Pharaoh and St. Gobain and buy powders to make their stuff, which means everybody's using the same stuff. Uh, Tunch Gorin, the owner of 3D and also the head chemist, invented his own processing of how to take the raw material and make his own powder. Because he said one day, if I buy my stuff from the same place everybody's buying their stuff i'll never be better and uh, and mm. most people is a paint polisher mm. not a carpet cleaner so yeah i want to use stuff that i can count on on no matter what paint is soft hard you know ceramic whatever it is it, i gotta have something i can trust for my own work and to teach people how to use so they can be successful and years ago i want to share something with you i wrote this article and it says the most important factor when it comes to polishing paint is the abrasive technology. And then right below that statement, there's a picture of my buddy. He's buffing on a, on a Thunderbird. It's a 1969 Ford Thunderbird. But what you see is you see compounds spread out over the trunk lid. You see a pad on top of it. You see a tool, then you see him holding it. And then I say, when you look at this picture, what's touching the paint? The abrasive technology. And it, it's, what, it's what's going to work the magic. Then behind that is the pad, then the tool, and then the guy. And I meet so many detailers that are like, I am so good. Really? You're not yeah. touching the paint, you know? Uh, so, yeah, but kind of back to the RV world, yeah. get into that. Make sure you've got good abrasive technology that will work good in outdoors, indoors. But you definitely don't want to be buffing out a 40-foot motorhome twice. Definitely no, it's not. the same thing as a boat. I'd put it right next to boats. There, There's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, detailing a boat from start from from stern to bow, trailer, spare tire, the whole nine yards, <laughs> you know, and they're in bad environments. You know, yeah, this thing are. gets dunked in the water all the time. So so it, it, you got to you got to it's a different animal. It's not the same. Yeah, so. I consider it a young man's niche. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what, that is true. That <laughs> That's is so true. I had a guy contact me yesterday about boat detailing. He wanted to work with me to go after the boat market. And I'm going, look, I, so I sent him this morning. The only boat I ever liked to detail was my race boat. And that's because it was a, it was a Sanger flat bottom drag boat. It had a big flat bow, kind of had some sides with some Imran strikes and a scoop on the carburetors. Pretty quick, pretty simple, little dressing on the vinyl seats, polished the aluminum. It was fun. It was fast. It was easy. Every other boat I've worked on has been long and hard hours, really in bad shape and so many different components. So I don't mind teaching people how to do it, but I really don't want to do it myself. No. <laughs> I, I think there's an overwhelming trend in, in the conversation <laughs> today. Fun, fast, and easy. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm not scared to say that. You know, some people say, Mike, we notice you work on a lot of old cars. You So then they extrapolate that out to think, I only like old cars. That's not true. I like a lot of really new cars. But when it comes to old cars, there's no plastic trim. 
you know, if there's trim, it's nickel, chrome, stainless, or aluminum, you don't tape it off. You run the buffer over it. The panels are big and flat. Look at a 69 Chevelle. It's like, I like to pick on that car versus, you know, when I first buffed out my first C7, I, I made a Facebook video that day and said, Hey, if you're going to buff these cars up, make sure you're charging lots of money. Cause there's not a single flat panel on that car. Right. It's all, it's all planes. You know, it's how do I, how do I, it's, you have curves this way, then this way, then this way. And then you can't run a buffer in a crosshatch pattern. It just doesn't work. So now you're buffing the direction of the length of the panel. And and it's it's just tedious, you know? Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's yeah. Oh yeah. That's the my my oh, my nine eleven. Every single curve, it's all curved. It's Both all two curved. it's two-way compound curves, and you're just you're just rolling. I feel like I'm rolling as I yeah. Oh yeah, like you're driving in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have a uh, car special edition coming in for the class next weekend, and I'm gonna be able to teach these people. This is what it's like to buff out a C8 or a C7 Corvette. It's just nothing but planes. It's such a pain in the butt to buff out one of those cars. That's awesome. Yeah. Hard. Well, man. well, we, we want to thank you for taking the time. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously we, I mean, we went 30 minutes longer than I planned, but it's, it's always such a great conversation with you. So how do people connect with you, your training with 3d products? You know, um, um, all my social media is Mike Phillips 3D. You know, um, don't don't tag or like the Mike Phillips Auto Geek. That's dead. It's in the rearview mirror long ago. So look for Mike Phillips 3D. Um, I brought up a brand new discussion forum called 3D Detail Talk. Um, I'm mostly active on um, Instagram and Facebook, but I write a lot of meaty articles and neither one of those platforms will hold that kind of content. Um, for example, I just finished uh, doing a complete dry sand cut and buff on a 1969 GTO. And I send the link out because there's pictures from start to finish. There's every product, every tool, the sanding disc, everything I needed to do this car is there. And there's no place on the internet you can find all that information in one place. And, and Instagram and Facebook are going to hold that volume of information. Mm -hmm. so I get it. We're on our phones. If they're easy for me, they're easy for everybody to post to. But for meaty content, I had to bring up an actual discussion forum for the 3D company to post this stuff. That car, by the way, was a nine-year build. It was built by Jeremy Miranda, Miranda Built Cars. The following weekend, he took it to an Ohio Good Guy show and took first place with it. So uh, not saying I did a good job, but the stuff I used got it right the second time. So it looked that's good. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. So everybody, please go out to, to Mike's forums, Mike Phillips 3D, um, 3dproducts.com. Oh, yeah. Get on the trainings. If you can get to the trainings, please do it. They're, they're well, well worth it. Um, and also things like this, you know, like and subscribe our YouTube channel and our Facebook channel. We can go out there. Um, <clears throat> yeah, congratulations on getting to work with Clint Hintz. He's a good guy. Uh, so go out and do that stuff. Get out and see people, do stuff, go to trainings, learn more, learn stuff, uh, practice, go out. Yeah, just, just go do it. Get off the internet and go do it. Fun, fast, and easy, baby. Yeah, Clint is a great guy. He's going to be uh, assisting me with this upcoming three-day class. I'm so glad he's going to be there to lend a helping hand. Uh, managing, I got over 20 people in this class, 12 cars and two boats. And I could do it by myself, but I'd rather have someone that is also very qualified at working with people hands-on to give me a hand with that. So Chris awesome. will be there also. Yeah, so yeah, anytime you guys look, any you guys, everyone come to one of my classes, you just give me a call. We'll work something out. I'd love to have you there so you could uh, do a little 
sharing of what were my classes. Are, yes. Are yeah, absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. We, We'd we love will it. look at the calendar and get that in we the would, place. We'll, we'll do it a live do thing. I'm working on a schedule for 2023 as we talk and hopefully it'll be published, you know, before SEMA because we need to share these days while we're at SEMA. And I hope to see you guys at SEMA too. Oh, yep. yep. We'll do yep. it. So, well, thank awesome. you so much Thanks for joining us. Guys, please remember, like, share, subscribe, connect with Mike Phillips, and we will check you same time, same bad channel just next, next week. week. See ya. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, yep, brother. You have a great day. Bye now.